Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. All right, listeners, listen. I'm about to read you the bio of Dr. Roseanne, but it's a humble, modest one. That her, her CV, the real deal about her, would be the entire hour. So we're going to condense this. And she's about to school me on something I've been really curious about, but not curious enough to go seeking. She is about to school me and teach me some things. And so she's going to do the same for you. So let me tell you about Dr. Roseanne. She's a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute for Children's Mental Health, and Dr. Roseanne Associates, who is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Foes Magazine called her a thought leader in children's mental health. Her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions such as ADHD, anxiety, mood, autism, learning disabilities, Lyme, and PANDAS. Using proven holistic therapies such as neurofeedback, biofeedback, and psychotherapy. She is the author of the first ever book on teletherapy activities for child and adolescent therapists. It's called Tele- Teletherapy Toolkit, and it's going to be okay book. And the Get Unstuck program, which are resources for parents to reverse their child's symptoms. She's often featured on dozens of media outlets. Some of those are Fox, CBS, NBC, Parents, and New York Times. And she's actually sitting right here with us. So Dr. Roseanne, Roseanne, my friend, welcome to Flip Your Lid. I thought you were going to call me Roseanna, Roseanna, Dana there for a second. I was so tempted. I really was, but I figured you heard that your whole life. And so I just... I love I, it. I am so, I'm always down for a good time, Kim, and I can tell you are, but thank you for that nice introduction. You know, we all work so hard in our lives and, you know, I get the pleasure of, I do a lot of things like podcasts and media right. and, um, you know, people read your bios, they add, make a bio for you and you forget how many things you do and how many lives you touch. Yeah, you know, it's really, and I hope they just get a moment to reflect on that because it is a lot. And so, you know, as a psychotherapist, all the things I just read, I have seen it's walked in my door. It doesn't mean I know what to do or that the average therapist knows what to, to do with that. So I'm just so glad that you're out there. And I want to tell you that we haven't even had the deep conversation yet. And I've already given your website and information to a couple of parents who walk in the door so depleted, so depleted. And I said, well, so I, depleted. Yeah. So I got another option for you because I don't work with kids because they're smarter than me. <laughs> they are about the age of 12 or These 13. These kids are so smart today, Kim. They're so smart. I don't want to talk yeah. to them. I feel, I don't need to. If I want to feel insulted, I'll call my mother. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> right? I'm not going to talk to a child. So around 12 or 13, they get more of my level. Right? And I'll work with them. So, all right. So here's where we're going to start. We're going to jump in and do this. I want to hear all about your expertise. But let's start with this. What yep. life event, what experience flipped your lid and tell us what measures you had to take to reconnect to who God says you are? Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences that have flipped my lid. So it's hard to pick one. And I also want to just say that I am very lucky because um, I have, you know, very much linked up and am guided all the time. Um, And I listen to my guides. Yeah. 
So we all have guidance, but sometimes we ignore those messages. So I feel very grateful to have clarity in in listening. So, um, and it really does inform my decisions. It just does. Yeah, and I I took that as part of it is we all hear voices, right? Yeah. But they're usually voices that come from, from really harmful conditioning as a child. And so we never get to hear the inner voice of God or the inner guide, that we never really get to hear that because we're so busy hearing these other voices that we think are our voice, but it's not. Yeah. Well, we're so used to telling ourselves bad things. Right. That's right. You know, and that we operate from fear. But, you know, I certainly was encouraged by my parents to um, be bold and um, (laughs) not be limited by others. Mm. So it made me much more grounded and comfortable and we're grounded we're able to hear those messages from, you know, whatever religion you believe in. And uh, certainly I, I feel very strong that I have spirit guides and, you know, I just listen to the messages. I, it's intuitiveness too. You get right. senses. Um, it doesn't have to be a voice. It can be a sensation and a feeling. So, right. you know, what was the time that flipped my lid? I mean, you know, for sure, you know, I have always been holistic and um, coming from Italian parents, that just is my way. And we used food as medicine. Right. But I had a moment where I was helping kids. And next year in 2021, I will have been working with children in mental health for 30 years. So it's been a long time. I knew what I wanted to do and started working when I was an undergrad with kids. So um, so I was working in private practice at that point. I'd been working in schools and had always used um, psychotherapy, you know, behavioral treatment, and had already knew that psychiatric medications were not the way. And so had been guiding people with food and supplements many, many years ago. And so I had a situation where still to this day, a child came to me who was the most impaired child in terms of focus and hyperactivity and impulse control that I'd ever seen. Mm. And I had worked in some tough places like psychiatric hospitals and, you know, in inner city places where I would have to go into counseling inside people's homes, you know, where it was like pre-cell phone where you would be like, if I'm not back in 45 minutes, call the cops, you know? Yes, I remember those days, Um, yes. Because it was like, you know, not... Just because, not because it was lower income, but because there was like an unsafe neighbor and we knew Mm -hmm. it or whatever it was. Um, I had a lot of wonderful experiences going into people's homes. Some of my favorite mental health counseling experiences were when I did go into, um, you know, the inner city and work Mm -hmm. with all kinds of beautiful people Mm -hmm. and what a nice impact um, I was able to help by guiding them through parenting. But I had a situation where I had a boy named Alec. And he he had been thrown out of schools, I don't know how many times, by the time he was eight years old. Mm. And when I met him, they came to me for counseling and to do some assessment and really try to figure out what was going on with this kid. And he was that kind of kid, Kim, if you can imagine that if you turned your head for two to three seconds, he would bounce out of his seat and literally be climbing the wall. Mm. And he had no attention span, was intellectually gifted, second grade, and could produce no work. So he had this ability to talk and have lots of information. He would have later been diagnosed as having autism. Um, But at that point, he was diagnosed as having ADHD. 
And, you know, I tried the standard things with him and I really couldn't get anywhere. His parents were like dream parents. They would do anything you asked to do. Mm. They really partnered with you and they, they were just working so hard. And this kid was like, we were getting nowhere. He was stuck. And his mom called me and said, you know, let's, I'm going to try some meds. And I was like, I don't even know what else to tell you to try. So he had, I'm going to say, fortunately, he had some pretty terrible reactions to these medications. Yeah. Um, and he could not take. He went through the round of all the HG medications. And he had a lot of um, terrible side effects, including cardiac problems and whatnot. Mm. So his mom called me again and said, you know, Roseanne, what do you think about this thing called neurofeedback? And I said, oh, my gosh, it's fantastic. I wrote paper on it in my doctoral program, and I think it's right. so great. And she said, well, I'm going to do it. And it was far and she was going to have to drive. It was like an hour and 10 minutes each way, three times a week for months. Mm. And I was like, do it. And, you know, time passed and I hadn't heard from her. And I was up in the center of town and Alec came running out and looked at me in the eye and shook my hand and said, how you doing, Dr. Roseanne? And I turned to him and I'm sure I swore. And I said, <laughs> you know, what the hell did you do to this kid? And she was like, that's neurofeedback. Ooh. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, my yeah. goodness. Like, right. what, what just happened? Like, you know, so I got to see this kid turn into like, he's a full adult now. This was many, many years ago. And that just flipped my lid and I got trained and started doing neurofeedback and, you know, to like, to come full circle, tell you two stories. One of what is Alec doing today and a story that reminds me of this, of that I heard last, a client last night, but he is one of the calmest, most chill adults I've ever known. Wow. (laughs) And he graduated high school at age 16. This is amazing. This is amazing. amazing. It's amazing. He came back and did an internship with me. So I changed his name and some of the details, of course. Um, But he did an internship with me and spent, I don't know how long with me, weeks and weeks. And he was like, you know, Dr. Roseanne, could I come and speak to your, you know, your group of people? And I was like, of course. And, you know, they asked him questions like, Alec, like, when did you start to notice? And I was like, I don't know the answer to that. And he said... I noticed in the first week and what was happening to him, what he explained, he's so intellectually bright. I mean, Mm -hmm. just so gifted. He would have all these thoughts coming in at once, Kim, and he couldn't filter them. Right. And that was why he was so hyper and and inattentive. So he said that was the first thing he noticed is the thoughts would streamline. And he could pro- he didn't get rid of all the thoughts. He just could deal with one at a time. Right. Um, you know, so he's gone on. He's a wonderful person. What a doll. What a sweet man he is. But, and- Roseanne, how many times have you and I have heard that? I know I've heard so many times of people telling me, like, it's so many computer screens on at once. Yeah. And that we're treating it therapeutically. And you're telling me there's a whole different scientific neurological way to approach this. A totally different, uh, that's completely evidence-based, that has tens of thousands of research studies and 3,000 peer-reviewed studies. Wow. I mean, this is no joke. Right. This is good stuff. This is Well, you um, wouldn't be involved with it if it wasn't good stuff. No. I mean, I don't touch anything unless there's really solid research about it. Because, you know, mm-hmm. Kim, like what you were talking about is like, 
you talk about these parents, right? You know, I, my other book comes out in, in late winter, it's going to be okay, is what I say to every parent. Mm-hmm. I say, I'm going to tell you some stuff, but first I'm going to tell you it's going to be okay. Yeah, that's good. I that's have, good. I have the path. Yeah. That at least can reduce, if not reverse these symptoms. Right. That's good. And they're like, oh, you know, like, um, and so many parents, they go from, you know, treatment to therapist and treatment to therapist mm-hmm. and this and that. And then their relationships break down and, you know, husband and wife and, you know, parents and grandparents and child and parent, because everyone is so worried and they right. don't know what to do. And they go down these paths, they go down the medication route, which is typically not effective. <laughs> right. Um. And then they might go from therapist to therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't find the right therapist that can help them. We need beha- we need therapists. We need mm-hmm. therapists to help them unwind behaviors. But if the nervous system isn't regulating, you're not really capable of good rational thought right. and changing your behaviors, applying your what you've learned is almost impossible. Yeah. So we, I work on regulating the nervous system, coming in with teaching and learning, which is therapy. Yeah, that's and when you pair that together, a yeah. lot of change can happen. Yeah, the, the coupling of that, the power, just the way you said, the coupling of that is just tremendous. Yeah, and these kids today, I mean, they're facing so many things, stressors, you know, mm-hmm. they have genetic mutations, poor diets, social issues, just an intensity in their, you know, academics that is like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Kim, if I went to school today, forget about it. It's brutal. Listen, I did it drunk the first time. There's no way I could do it now. There's just no way. The pressure on them and what they're expected at certain ages is, and, you know, the suicide rate is so much higher. Like, the the statistics right now, I mean, I could cry thinking about it. And part of it is the academic rigor that we're placing on them. Yeah, I mean, the suicide rate doubled uh, more than doubled from 2007 to 17 mm-hmm. in 10, 10 to 24-year-olds. Yeah. And part of that is social media. Part of that is social media. Part of that is disconnected families. Yes. Part of that is, you know, um, a, a, an importance on academics yes. over social, emotional learning mm-hmm. and Character. growth. Character. Yeah. How yeah. about spiritual development? Right. How about resiliency? Kids have no resiliency today. I mean, let me tell you something. This pandemic has put a spotlight on who can handle stress. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a really good point. I mean, if I, I am shocked. I, as a mental health professional, am shocked. Not about the kids. I think the kids are, you know, their compass is often their parents. So if parents Mm -hmm. are holding it together, they are doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have been shocked by people that I know in my life, friends, employees, things like that, who have lost their stuff during this time. Yeah. um, Without what feels like a significant stressor. They have just responded to the world stress hum. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, really, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes people are, are you know, they're, they're, I'm calling it, you know, COVID courtesy is gone. Like they're, the COVID is in, impacted how courteous people are. Right. Um, and that's never okay to be rude and snappy and emotional to people. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I hear it. And really, it's part of why, honestly, I started this podcast, Flip Your Lid, named it this, is because when all this started, I started speaking more and doing a lot of free talks about what happens neurologically in a crisis when we flip our lid yeah. to help. Because because understanding it intellectually helps me emotionally, and I wanted to share that with people. It's part of why I'm so glad that you're here doing this with us, mm-hmm. is that people don't know how to regulate what's happening, don't know how to normalize it, and so they just come against themselves, and they spiral even more. And you are so right, because when I'm into, I talk about the power of parent psychoeducation and kid education, right? Psychoeducation is amazing. So when you understand the neurology, what happens in the brain, what happens in the body under stress, when you have anxiety, we have depression, it helps to remove some of that shame that you experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also helps you to see the path to changing that. Yeah. And so I love that you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell people a little bit about, because like obviously I've seen neurofeedback and maybe kind of describing that and then tell them what's different about neurofeedback and biofeedback. Yeah, so um, so neurofeedback and biofeedback are cousins, and biofeedback's been around longer. Um, and biofeedback is learning how to con- conscientiously control one of your, what we call, autonomic functions. Mm-hmm. So your breath, your heart rate, your mm-hmm. skin temperature, your um, muscle resistance, right? right? So there's lots of ways that we can control these systems in our body, and why do we do that? Well, it helps to get our nervous system regulated. Mm-hmm. So it takes you out of that high stress, activated, what we call parasympathetic dominant yes. state, yes. and brings you down when we practice biofeedback. It helps you regulate your nervous system and bring you down into this lovely, feel-good, beautiful, parasympathetic state. Mm-hmm. Um, I always try to think about parasympathetic state is like, coming out of the hot tub and <laughs> and a sympathetic state is like almost being run over by an 18 wheeler in your car on the perfect. highway you know yeah. and people can rev themselves up in daily life and mm-hmm. just everyday kind of things um to this uncomfortable sympathetic state now the good news is Biofeedback can help you bring that down. Um, there, meditation can help you do that. Yoga can help you do that. And of course, neurofeedback can too. And what's different about neurofeedback, it is through uh, reinforcing your brain waves with the use of computers and uh, positive reinforcement. I'll explain what that is. We're reinforcing the subconscious to change its own brain waves to go from an unhealthy rhythm to a healthy rhythm. Mm. So that's sort of the simplistic version of it, but to kind of visualize it, you're sitting in front of, first of all, the first step most people do, and that's what I do. Sometimes I don't, but we use something called a QEG brain map. And a QEEG brain map really tells you the health of the brain. It's a visual way to look at the formation of the brain waves. So when we look at, we essentially do a scan, we collect EEG data, And you can see, oh, there's too much activity or not enough activity in certain regions. 
When we do that, we know exactly what the brain does. So let's say you have too many unfocused brain waves in your frontal lobe. Well, guess what? You're going to be unfocused, you know, or you have a lot of revved up brain waves um, in your emotional centers. Well, you're going to be more emotional. And so it takes that guesswork out and you're able to really check under the hood and make sense out of what is driving these behaviors. Um, it's really amazing. And you're able to see both over the structures and then something that people don't know about is you're able to see how the brain talks to itself. So that um, intercommunication between different areas of the brain. And I always use the example that uh, Einstein was an example of somebody who had amazing brain communication. So he had, um, and that's a whole other story, he had about 400 times the amount of neural networks than a normal brain. So his brain could process, it wasn't that his brain was bigger um, or had more, um, you know, frontal matter. Mm -hmm. He really could just have, instead of one highway, he had 400. Mm -hmm. So, Neurofeedback, what it does after getting a QEG, we say, okay, look, okay, Fred, he's got a total case of ADHD. He's got all these unfocused brain waves. He's got no power, no gas. Let's reinforce his brain to push down these unfocused brain waves and increase focused brain waves. And so somebody comes in, they're hooked to a computer. This is typical. And there's different kinds of neurofeedback. Um, this is called EEG neurofeedback and the most common. And you're hooked to a computer and you sit down and there's a sensor, uh, typically two or, two or three different places on your head or ears. And you have to produce a healthy combination of brain waves in order for a movie to play and then to get all these other visual and auditory reinforcements like bars moving, points coming, um, dinging. Yeah. And within two to three seconds, your brain will say, oh, if I push down that unfocused brainwave and I increase this focused brainwave, I get to get this movie to play. I get the bar. Oh, I'm going to do it. And every time in two to three seconds, if the person is literally just looking at the screen, their brainwaves will change. It's just that it takes time to build that muscle, just like exercising. Right. Um, and, you know, why do, pe why do people do neurofeedback? Like in the case of Fred, ADHD, you want, his, you want it to be more focused. It's really there to get the brain to regulate so that we're reducing symptoms. And it's used for everything from anxiety to do a lot of PTSD work and concussions, um, do a ton of work with infectious disease, um, because infectious disease can produce a lot of different mental health symptoms. Mm -hmm. That is the best explanation I've heard. Thank you so much. Oh, well, you that. know, I talk like a normal person. I try, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if you're normal, but you explain I'm that. I'm not normal. Really I'm well. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. And part of why it's just it, like I'm having a hard time sitting still, not just because I'm ADHD, just because I'm so excited about what you're saying and that you're in the field helping so many people that's so exciting. Because so much of the things you talked about that I see, you know, with Lyme disease and, and, and pandas and ADHD and things like that, it's like, he, let's just talk about Lyme and ADHD. Both are overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. Yeah. Right? Depending I think on gender. they're misdiagnosed, Kim. Yes, very much. A lot of times it's PTSD and it gets diagnosed ADHD. Has to do with gender, age, race. People already decide things about you when you walk in the door. Hundred percent, very much. And so, particularly with Lyme, what I see people go through. And I'll tell you this: I had a I had a patient once, and just how he would talk to me, I looked at him. I said, "I think you have Lyme." 
Like Thank something, goodness, Kim. I said, something's wrong. I said, stop paying me. Go to a doctor. How you're talking to me right now, I know you. You don't talk like this. Yeah. Something's medically wrong. I said, I think you have Lyme. Yeah. I mean, yeah. thank goodness you told him that. I mean, I would say on average, most people see at least 10 providers before they get to me. And that regardless whether it's autism or Lyme disease or whatnot. But the frontline workers become the therapists. So we already know the medical people are just missing the boat on this. They're using the wrong diagnostic criteria. They're using um, the the CDC um criteria for submission mm-hmm. into their Lyme rate study that, that you have to have five active bands. Right. Uh, many people are told, well, you don't have five active bands. You don't have Lyme. Well, that's not what the definition, that's not how you diagnose Lyme. It's a clinical interview based on symptoms. Right. So people need to be empowered with that knowledge. And we have to stop believing that all mental health issues result from neurotransmitter issues. That is what pharma needs us to believe. Um, And really a lot of mental health issues are from chronic stress and physical problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And those have medical solutions. Some of them is chronic stress. Obviously we, we do psychotherapy and we do different kinds of psychotherapy. We do breath work. We do biofeedback, neurofeedback, meditation. Um, But when the medical establishment fails these people. They're told it's in your head. That's you know, you exactly have anxiety and depression. Right. Exactly. And then they land in with you. And unless yes. somebody's Lyme literate, mm-hmm. they're just going to go down the psych med route. And that's right. not going to help them when they have a tick-borne infection. Right. And, and the invalidation, and most of us are invalidated in childhood anyway, the invalidation of having doctors say, because they don't know what to do, that automatically it is, it is psychological and that it's um, fabricated in some way. I mean, every day I'm always, you know, when you're a trailblazer, you always learn to push up, you know, against traditional views. And that's okay because everything I do is evidence-based and it's really made me always gather research so that I can say, well, here's the study for that. And, you know, did you ask, you know, um, did you ask your doctor if there's evidence to support that Prozac is efficacious for OCD when you have um, three different co-infections? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, why don't you go back and ask your doctor that and see if there's evidence-based approach for that, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, just to empower people, you know, mm-hmm. you always are respectful, but, you know, people need to realize they are the CEOs of their own health. Right. And if you don't get a resolution, if you're working with a provider, you want to work with them and you want to, if you trust them, you want to follow what they say and really listen. But if you're not getting better, mm-hmm. don't go on another psych med and, eight psych meds later, you know, or stay for 12 years with a therapist where you make no progress. Right. Move on. Yeah, absolutely. And having permission to, to hear that from you and giving myself internal permission to, to move on. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's just amazing to me, just like that. You, you spoke to a man that you knew and said, you don't process like this. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you empowered him to be like, no, there's something else going on. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people need to do that for themselves. Yeah. And to, to rule out neurological things now, it's generally someone walks in the door and you're a trauma-informed therapist. Like there is, it is about the autonomic nervous system. It is, that is true. You're looking for physiological reactions. But some things don't add up. Like 
finding someone like Dr. Roseanne is is a great option. And there are providers like us, Kim, that are teaching people about their autonomic nervous system and how to regulate it. And, you know, a lot of what I do is is teaching people that you can do these things yourself. Right. You know, and um, we have a program called the Get Unstuck program. And that program teaches parents about the eight pillars. And, you know, literally, you know, other than a licensed therapist and finding a, a neurofeedback provider, everything else can be done on your own. Right. You can be walk, you can walk through and I love Google, but it's just concentrated and organized so that you don't have to spend, you know, all that time we did, Kim, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Completely. So how, cause I know you're also an expert in teaching people how to effectively do telehealth, do telethinky. And so even with that, some tips from that would be great, but also, you know, I'm assuming but the neurofeedback, like you, you have to be in person, right? Um, yes and no, because okay. uh, we do neurofeedback can be done in person. Our center is open in Connecticut, but we actually do remote training. Yeah. And how we do that is people as part of working with us, um, they get the equipment sent to them and mm-hmm. you're able to work with people to set up on Zoom um, we use a HIPAA compliant, you know, a private uh, version of Zoom. And um, and then people train on their own and and we monitor them through the software. So there's applications. We also do PMS and biofeedback with people remotely. There's there's lots of ways. And, and you can find a, a neurofeedback and biofeedback provider, um, a certified one by going to bcia.org. I, I do like when people go to a certified person unless somebody was highly recommended to you by a friend, yeah, you know, really or a yeah. professional. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because the amount of training you have to do to to be certified in this, like it's a great deal of money. It's a great deal of dedication. If someone is certified licensed in this, like they they are in it. They are in it. Like, it is no joke. When I got trained all those years ago, for the first two years, I did nothing but this. Like, I never went to any other training. I didn't read any other book. Right. Like, it was like hardcore training. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it sounds like yeah. it's been incredibly worth it for you and, and thousands thousands of others. Yeah, I mean, I I can't believe, you know, the story of Alec you know, just having his life changed is something that I have the privilege of happening all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, I, I don't believe there's somebody that can't be helped when you take a brain-based approach. You just don't know the degree, right? Somebody might get 10 or 15% improvement. Somebody might get more than 100% improvement. What do I mean by that? Like a lot of times I get concussed people right. who say, you fixed my concussion. I'm actually better <laughs> than I ever was. Right. And I'm like, uh, well, that's because once we fixed your concussion, we realized you were ADD. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, right. <laughs> um, but I don't believe, you know, when you, when you trust your provider, whatever you're doing, you're doing psychotherapy and you're, you're working with them and you're, you're taking those micro steps there change is always possible. And that's why I always say it's going to be okay. We never want to tell people, well, that's just silly. I mean, have I ever said to people, 
absolutely change is not possible for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because then I say, because you're unwilling to do the work. Right. That's right. And when you are willing to do the work, call me. Yeah. (laughs) Because change will happen. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, so, um, and, and I know what it's like to feel, you know, I'm a special needs parent myself. And, you know, when you feel hopeless you know, you're, you're afraid, but you know, when you work with somebody that's, you know, the research is there. We, we know how to change mental health. We're not using those evidence-based approaches. Instead, we're sticking with medications, which often, particularly for children are what we call off, off label. So they're not, they're using medications that are not approved for certain conditions. Um, Autism, uh, OCD are real common examples of that, um, where there's not, a, there aren't, you know, autism, there is no approved medication for autism. Mm-hmm. Yet, I rarely meet a child with autism that isn't medicated up the wazoo. Yeah, it's a really good point. You know, yeah. and their body doesn't metabolize those medications properly. So then it's just, oh, it causes other issues and whatnot. So, you know, parents do the best they can and they should never be feel bad but what I have is such a mission to teach parents that open, scratch the surface, start Googling, start reading, listen to podcasts. There is another way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and what have you, and I know you talked about a little bit with Alec, but like with children, the ability to help them, like the symptoms they have when they first get there, like most common things you see, and then getting them to sit still in front of a computer and, and follow through and then- yeah. You know, they're, they're the post-treatment, you know, also what you see. Yeah. So um, that's such a great question. I don't know if anybody ever asked me, like, what what happens in, like, the process, right? right? So, you know, I'll give you an example of a dad that I was talking to last night. So um, anxiety, hands down number one thing I say across every age, right? We even work with elderly folks. Like we work, we have a 99 year old that we're working with. That's great. How awesome is that? Yeah, it's awesome. We love talking about her. She's so awesome. So, um, but anxiety across the board and even pre-COVID, right? It's just such something that I've seen rise in these 30 years. Like it's unbelievable. It's like almost like I don't meet somebody who doesn't have anxiety. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So when people come in, you know, how does a child, you know, sit there? Right. So we had a dad and a boy come to us and the boy was just crippled with anxiety to the point where he couldn't separate. And so fascinating because I often get medical providers and people that work in pharma and I get a lot of teachers and I get a lot of civil employees because they're like, I need something different. I, I've seen that side. Right. So this is somebody in one of those fields. And so what happened was he was like, I can't have my child do that because I see the outcomes of these meds. So how do you sit and engage? Well, first of all, neurofeedback feels good. So it is, I've only had two kids ever not want to do neurofeedback. And both of that was really a behavioral issue with their parents that they were really in a struggle for control with their parents. And so you, the subconscious, we're training the subconscious, which as you know, Kim, is in control mm-hmm. pretty much right. all the time. It is, it is. 
always, right? right. 95 to 99.5% of the time you are in not in, you know, a conscious state, you're in a subconscious right. state. So that subconscious just sinks in. We often, I have a, I have kids who are very, very impaired, like lack communication skills. And even they are, we are able to increase the time with training, but a typical you know, average to above average, you know, intellect kid with ADHD or anxiety, they're not going to have any problem sitting down for 30 minutes. Oh, that's great. It's pretty incredible because it feels good Mm. and they're getting stimulated Mm -hmm. um, through, you know, through different senses, right? To auditory and visual senses. So, you know, in the case of this boy, he did a certain amount of sessions and his dad got on the phone to me. And the first thing he said to me is, it is like a miracle of what happened to my kid. And I need to know why this is not well known. Mm. So being in the industry that he was in, I'm like, well, you know (laughs) why. Um, And, you know, it's, we have to get it out there. But his son said something to him. He said, you know, honey, and they're they're so great because they have such a great conversation. He's Uh very open and honest about his own anxiety. And he shows his son appropriate ways that he manages it. Even when he's uncomfortable, he's like, oh, I'm having a hard time right this second, but I'm going to go and do this. And it's, he's such a role model for him, but his son was struggling. Right. There's no amount of talking that was going to do it. So once his nervous system regulated, his son was able to do different types of learning and he could change it. So he said to his son, you know, from a scale of one to 10, how good, how do you feel? And he said, daddy, I have never felt this good. I am a 10. And then he said, I got really verklempt and really started to well up. He said, daddy, promise me you will do neurofeedback for yourself. Oh, that's amazing. Is that amazing? Yeah, what a connection between them. Oh, so I was like, this is truly incredible. And then, you know, I said to the dad, like, you know, how could you have learned about this sooner? Like, what did you need to hear? And he was like, well, certainly if a friend recommended it to me, you know, and often these parents that this happens, this is like a frequent occurrence around here. And I just, they say, what can I do? And I say, what you can do is you can be a beacon and you can tell people about it Mm -hmm. because people are out of hope. And they need to know there is another way. Yeah, another way. Yeah, that's so much hope. Because I'm sure when people walk in and and they're hopeless or they felt a hopeless hope for so long by doing yeah. the same thing from the pharmaceuticals through traditional therapy. And then this is a whole different way. And, you know, traditional therapy is so valuable, mm-hmm. so valuable. But you have to, ha- your nervous system has to be in a uh, relaxed state, you know, in it has to be able to hear you. Right. It can't right. make those changes when you're so stress activated. It can't. Mm-hmm. No, it's very true. It's very, very true. Okay. So it's a common experience of a patient who's had EEG, MRI, all the things and everything comes back normal and yet they're not well. Yeah. Um, that's making me, you know, we often think of our clients or patients. Um, well, since I'm a problem solver and a little bit of a, I'm a mental health detective, this is not uncommon for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently had an adult who had all those things. He had EEG, 
multiple EGs. He had, you know, CAT scans. He had all these things. And what happened was he had had a head injury. He got better. And then he had another head injury. And it was like what was considered a minor head injury. And they sort of dismissed that that head injury really could have any kind of significant impact. But then he really started to have a downward spiral, Um, not to the level of the first head injury, but it was different kinds of symptoms. So his first injury, he really had like physical problems, speech problems. It was very obvious. But this was a cognitive decline. Like he really couldn't um, even... you know, making sense when he was speaking was an issue. So he could speak where before he couldn't, but now it didn't always make sense. He couldn't stay focused and um, his, you know, wife didn't know what to do with him. So when he came in here, you know, luckily he responded to neurofeedback um, and we do multiple neuro uh, QEGs. So on the second QEG, which doesn't typically happen of when, seizures happen, uh, we saw that he was having multiple seizures. So we are doing QEGs. We're not doing EEGs. EEGs are to detect seizures and they are done for medical purposes. But most seizures occur when you're fatigued and they'll occur, you know, uh, at night Um, later in the day or early in the morning. So we only do brain maps when the brain is most alert between nine and three. So we were lucky that we were able to see that he literally had like 15 seizures in 10 minutes. Wow. So now what happens is you have to go back to the neurologist and the neurologist was like, I don't think that's really the case. And I'm like, I'll send you the raw data. Any neurologist could see that it was seizures. And he was like, he had an E-crow. And that was a major stumbling block for, for this man to move forward, you know? Right. Um, and luckily, that couple was very, not that you have to be holistic, they're very common sense oriented. Right. They know that all doctors are not kings and they don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Right. It's just that I have training and certifications in cross disciplines. Mm-hmm. And I constantly go outside of my field because we are being challenged. So many people, as I said, have medical issues that lead to, to mental health issues. And that means you have to be open and you have mm-hmm. to learn and train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what you said is so key to to being really just a solid person. And then being a great person, that leads to being able to stand out in your profession is that it's a humility. It's never thinking you have all the answers or having to have all the answers. Like you're, you're willing to, to, to stick your toe in a different pool. All right. Hundred percent. And you know, out. Kim, Absolutely. don't you learn from your patients? Oh, all the time. I won't tell them that, but all the time. No, I all tell them all the time. time. Like they do so much for me. They do. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, my patients come in with such unique things, especially my infectious disease peeps, because they'll have so many layers. Like. When one infection comes in, they start getting multiple ones and all these different physical things happen in the brain and the body. And, you know, I even learned about so many years ago about these the certain genetic mutations from my patients. Mm. And that opened the door to, oh my gosh, genetic mutations have a huge impact on mental health and they're very common. 
you know, and that just like blew me away. And then you're able to help people at such a deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you just sound so comprehensive about it. And so you have a team that works with you. Yes. Correct. Right. And so how does that, like, do y'all have treatment team meetings about like each patient? Like, I just so curious how your center works with that. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, people come in for different things, right? So, you know, uh, pre-COVID, well, actually, even during COVID, they weren't flying in, they were driving in. But pre-COVID, people would fly in and we would work with people either for one week and then send them out with a bunch of equipment and work with them virtually mm. for three months or six months. Um, or people would come and do two weeks intensive with us. Um so we do we do have team meetings about our patients. We also have an internal um, private communication board. Right. So where we say, okay, da, 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 you know, um, like the story of the the father and son last night, I posted that in our our group. Right. And, you know, because we need, we like to celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. We love to see, I mean, the people were like, he's like a different kid, you know, like right. he can come upstairs without his dad anymore, you know? So those kind of things, but yes, we communicate, we coordinate and, you know, all of us share a philosophy, And first of all, we believe that you can reduce and reverse symptoms using evidence-based natural approaches, right? Right. Nobody who works here believes in something else, right? And we all believe in psychoeducation and teaching people those tools. Mm. Um, And we also believe in, you know, really using in psychotherapy very specialized approaches. So we're not generalists. We are not somebody who's like, oh yeah, we'll see anything, right? right. Like I don't work with people with personality disorders. Right. That's just not something I do that requires way more of a talk therapy, mm-hmm. you know, DBT, psychoanalytic right, exactly. approach. And that is not, I'm a brain-based person. Right. Um, right. <clears throat> so, but pretty much any neurodevelopmental disorder or any way that somebody is stuck. We do a lot of trauma work. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we did have a lot. you worked with anybody with complex regional pain? Oh, all the time. Really? That's I've never deal. met somebody who has chronic pain who doesn't have stress and anxiety. So whether right. one started it or that's the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, no healing can occur in the body if the nervous system is activated. That's right. That's right. So we have to get that nervous system. So we do a lot of work. I do a lot of pulse electromagnetic frequency and biofeedback, um, as well as neurofeedback with complex pain. Um, But sometimes, you know, a lot of my complex pain folks have had trauma. I mean, trauma is just so common. Mm -hmm. So you you start to unwind and you pull things apart and get in there. And and there's no quick fix. We have to stop believing there's a quick fix. We've got to stop looking for an answer and blaming others. And we have to say, I can do this. I can go within myself or my child can do this. And this is something that's a process. And I can make micro steps to make big changes. Right. And I think part of that, too, is what you said earlier. And part of what your parents taught you to be bold and don't let anyone else stop you or influence you is that idea of the victimization. And that when victimization is very addictive. And so, yeah, so that the complexity goes with that and people who are willing to know they may have been victimized, but how to take responsibility. They step into the solution with a team like yours 
Like that's the difference, right? Well, we do a lot of guidance, right? And, you know, many times people, as you you like to do psychoeducation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think, and we do psychoeducation at multiple points. It's not just the, that first intake. What they're going to hear there, once they start moving and progressing and you do it again, they're going to get a different piece out of that because their brain and their body can hear it and process it and integrate it. So, you know, spending time teaching is always a value. And that's a lot of what we do. And people often say to me, nobody's ever explained the neuroscience behind my child's explosive behavior. Right. Like, you know, yes, it's pretty cool. I have these QEG brain maps, but I can do it without that too. You know, it's just that becomes so clear, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it's evidence-based for the person struggling who now thinks it's a it's it's morals or character, and you're showing them this is this is this is neurological. This is not about you being a bad kid. Absolutely. Or you know, like in the case of um, you know, just because I do so much work with Lyme disease and pans and pandas, um, like I worked with a pans case uh, in the last week, and you know, we've been working together a long time. He, he's really struggled to get rid of his infection, but has generally done very well. And what a delightful human being this young person is. Mm. And um, he had had an infection again. Mm-hmm. Um, and what had happened is, is it was a viral infection and it was also some yeast came up in his system and it shut off his brain. So he came in to me and he was like, I was doing great. And then I have brain fog. Like I'm tired and I have brain fog. So we made a protocol. We went back to the functional doctor. We made some tweaks and that was probably almost September. And now, you know, I reviewed this week and I was like, you had a 67% brain change. Wow. 67%. And, and he was like, you know, I was thinking I was better. And I was like, you need to start connecting to you're so good at knowing when you're off, you need to start connecting to knowing when you're back on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to use your brain map in presentations. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, um, so it's really nice to show that the actions, because he had to actually do quite a few things. It wasn't just coming in for sessions. And his actions directly led to not only his brain changing, but like his schoolwork was easier. There, he was less tired. There was a lot of positive things that came from that. And I like people to feel so empowered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so many things we can do to yeah. improve our mental health. Yeah, and that's what I very much hear from you. I, I love the fact of knowing that your team is there in Connecticut and what you're doing because there's also something empowering for people to know, like, oh, there's a team of people who care about me. And it's more yeah, than the money. I mean, everybody loves TLC. <laughs> right. You right. know, and that's what we try to do. And and also, too, you know, Kim, like, people contact me from all over. And, um, you know, every time I do one of these appearances or I'm in a um, something, people contact me. And I love it. Like, we yeah. work with people all over. But not everybody can. Not everybody can afford it. Not everybody mm-hmm. can come during the time of COVID. And that's why we made, you know, a self-study program where you could get most of the things from that um, because this is my mission to change mental health. And I want people to have those tools. Right. Which is probably why you're doing this for free and that you do so much to offer the community. You you want everyone to be well. I want everybody to be well. We need to be out of work. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and we, we have to stop ignoring, you know, particularly with kids, we know, oh, social, emotional learning and child development and this and that. And why are kids struggling more today than they were 30 years ago? Yeah, that's a great question. And we're not doing what we know. We are not implementing what we know. Yeah, it's so true. And I feel like you've answered this. I just want to see if you want to add anything to it. Is there anything else that you see us doing or you doing your team to help end the mental health stigma? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that parents need to do is they need to trust their instincts Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a very startling statistic is that it takes 11 years from the onset of a problem before somebody gets help. Mm-hmm. 11 years on average. Wow. And I am not surprised by that. So my message is, if you think your child is struggling, you notice symptoms. You notice in the case of that father that the kid couldn't separate or they were overly emotional or there's all of a sudden a loss of friends. Mm. Go and find a licensed mental health provider. Go and get help. Nobody ever regrets getting help. They only regret when they don't. And many parents will often say to me, you know, but he had good grades. Mm-hmm. And she, she, even though her friendship group changed, she didn't complain. Right. And it will catch up to you at some point. Yeah. yeah. And making that investment early is so good for so many reasons because one, you're preserving self-esteem. Two, you're preventing the likelihood of having way more severe behaviors and issues later. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you're protecting the nervous system. And, you know, you're just helping your child feel good about themselves. We have to destigmatize mental health Mm -hmm. and get kids help earlier. Yeah. I love that you said that. I'll tell you one thing I see a lot with parents, with their child, that one parent is very open to neurofeedback or very open to seeing an attachment style therapist, anything for the child, but the other parents cannot grasp that something may be different about their child, that their child can be struggling, and then the conflict between the two parents, and that it doesn't get to stay and be about the child. Even though one parent's advocating for the child, another parent is saying, not my son, not my son, not my daughter. You know, Kim, my gosh, I mean, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I see this all the time too. And it's very interesting. So, you know, the dad I was talking about earlier who had his own anxiety, you know, I really praised him and gave him a lot of kudos because when this happens and there's a parent that often had that similar path, a lot of times they're resistant to help for their kid because they haven't maybe addressed their own issues, but often it's because they feel like I turned out okay. There you go. Exactly. And what I say to parents is your kid is going to have way more challenges in their life than you did. Right. right. You know, you didn't, we didn't have these pressures in school. Your kid does social skills of other kids gone out the window, courtesy gone out the window. Mm -hmm. And your kid is not going to be able to ride through it in the same way because the circumstances are different. So often parents have an aha moment. Mm -hmm. And what I try to say to parents, again, nobody ever regrets getting help. 
And just because your kid can be functional, typically it means they have good grades right. um, and they're not a hot mess. They're right. not behaviorally throwing stuff. You know, when a kid get is all behavioral, they get help. <laughs> um, but you, you have to start seeing it from their vantage point. And, you know, if you've got some unresolved stuff as a parent, you owe it to yourself and your family to get that stuff resolved. And there is, I mean, I've had people as, as late as in their 80s start mm-hmm. counseling for the first time. Yeah. And it is never too late. It's never too late. What a great thing to start ending on. That is so well said. And I hope that I hope that just lands inside of parents and aunts, uncles, anybody who's loving on somebody who wants the best for their child. All right, I'm going to throw you in the hot seat. You're a therapist. You know what the hot seat means. All right. So, all right. So, just tell me, ask you a series of questions, whatever comes to mind first. All right. Here we go. What comes to mind first when you hear the word resilient? Resilient mm-hmm. is um, how you view, manage, or recover from stress. Uh, great definition. That's great. Okay. Most normal thing about you. Um, I swear like a Mack truck driver. You did great today. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you with self-restraint. Look at that. That's awesome. Okay. If it was up to you with all your neuroscience knowledge, what would be the legal drinking age? I don't think there really should be a drinking age. I mean, I'm Italian. I think we need to destigmatize right. drinking. Oh, and great. Americans need to stop drinking so much. There you go. I love it. Great answer. How about find healthier ways to to drink? You know, yeah. not drink, right? Right, right, right. That's great. All right, what's your dream car? A dream car? Yeah. Oh, I, I do love my Volvo X90 that I have now. But, but like a total dream car would be a white Bentley with black leather interior. Nice. I can visualize that. That is Yeah, very, very driving nice. in a sunny location, of course. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. what a fun if, question. Yeah, thanks. If you had to give yourself a new name, what would it be? God, a new name? Nobody's ever asked me that. See, I'm a therapist. This is what I do. A new name? Uh, you know, I like, I mean, I really don't. I can't think of it. I'm so branded to my name, Roseanne, you know? Right. I don't want another name. I like All my right. name. All right. We're sticking with it. It's a great, yeah. solid answer. Okay. Last when I question. was in eighth grade, I wanted it to be Madonna. See? But, you know. I knew there was something back there. <laughs> I knew we would get to that childhood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. When, for now on, when you hear flip your lid, what are you going to think about? I'm going to think about um, times when you can pivot mm-hmm. and you can create waves and change. Yeah. Yeah. And you definitely have done that. You've created so many waves in a good way, literally, and in such a great way that people are free and better and able to live normal lives because of all your hard work. I'm so, so appreciative of you and your team. So thank you. Well, thank you for this conversation. You know, I always say I'm so grateful for every single person that, you know, walks into my life. And it really, you know, is a blessing to be able to help people on their healing journey. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. If people want to get in touch with you, 
We're going to have some information for about you in, in the show notes, but could you just throw out your website, different things? Yeah, people can find and, you? and you know, Kim, I have this um, amazing podcast bonus for people. They can go to teletherapytoolkitbonus.com and it is uh, a whole, over 100 coping statements to help kids, but it's really for adults to manage stress. Oh, and there are things that we can say to ourselves and things that we can say to other people, including children and teens, to help them learn how to tolerate stress, which mm-hmm. is one of the most important things we need our kids to do right. um, going forward, especially during this time of the pandemic. Um, and you can also find me at childrensmentalhealth.com. That is so awesome. It's perfect. So y'all take time to find her, get in touch with her, find local people who are doing neurofeedback, who are licensed, they're they're certified in it. This is a great, great tool. So I know you've heard something today that flipped your lid, and we're hoping and praying that you also heard something that will help you reconnect to who you really are. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.